Well, it was interesting. It was, it was a lot of fun uh, going over with these. Well, my son was going, that made it special, but with James, with Garrett, with Jonathan. Jonathan, I don't think, had ever been out of, uh, he'd never been to Africa. James had been to Uganda before. I don't know that Garrett had been to Central Africa. But for me, you know, it's a little bit like going home. But for them, it was just fun to watch them as they took in all the, the uh, different experiences. You know, we were staying not on an island, but we were staying across the lake. Um, so each day, at the end of the day, involved, you know, getting in our little boat and crossing the two or three miles over to where the Bible college is. And, um, you know, we were, we were kind of the guinea pigs of this new facility that's being built. So it was a lot of fun, uh, just that experience. And, you know, going out to the islands, we were going over through Lake Victoria. There was I wouldn't say a huge storm, but it certainly was rocking our boat and, and making the boat feel a little bit small in, in comparison to the waves. And, uh, um, but really a lot of fun to uh, just walk alongside the church as they were themselves reaching out um, to the people in the islands, the hard-to-reach areas of the islands. And um, one of the special uh, experiences for me was going to Bayumba, to God Care School, and when... Uh, I sponsor a, a little boy named Bruce, and he was actually a little boy that I knew when I was a pastor there, and he grew up. He was just one of the kids, and so when I saw him back there, I was like, I know Bruce, and so I got to, I got to go that day, and we met all the kids that Godspeak was, was sponsoring, and uh, it was just so awesome to see little Bruce, because going to a high school like that was totally beyond. You know, by, the God Cares High School is a very, a very good high school and far better than anything that I've seen in a lot of places over there. And so for, for our kids at Calvary Chapel in Tebe and Yanima to be able to have that opportunity to go to such a high quality school is a massive blessing. And he was just so happy, you know. So anyway, um, what a wonderful experience to go and see the child that you're helping with their education and to watch them in their learning process. It, it was truly a blessing. And then to watch Jonathan, he was not only helping with the football, but he was helping the dentist. And I'll never forget, they were in this, uh, it was like a bar. I, maybe it wasn't a bar, I don't know. But he, this, the dentist, who was a soldier, had a plastic chair and he had the people were leaning back and he was yanking teeth out of their mouth that were rotten, you know. And um, it was just an amazing thing, but... Uh, You'll have to ask Jonathan. Some of the some of the teeth that were pulled out were it, it was just amazing to watch <laughs> that this was happening in this little room. Um, anyway, a wonderful experience. And again, uh, you are as a church are participating in that work. And um, I, on behalf of those people over there, just want to thank you for that participation. And that's just one of the works that um, Godspeak is participating with. We have missionaries in Japan, in Albania, in Moldova, in Cyprus, here in the United States, um, in Africa. Um, so take a look on our missions board, uh, pray for the missionaries, and we have a goal to try to organize some trips out in the next year or so, so that 
if you feel inclined for a little adventure that has a purpose, um, you can come with us. Amen? So for the rest of the evening, I just want to share uh, just something that the, the Lord uh, reminded me of uh, as we were uh, there these past couple weeks. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the church and thank you for the opportunities that we um, have within the body of Christ to serve one another. And thank you for the blessing that comes as we serve one another. And Lord, we do just want to lift up our brothers and sisters in these various parts of the world. I know that many times they do feel forgotten. I know that many times they feel like their needs and their struggles and their trials are not known or considered. And Lord, I, I pray that you would remind us who live here in America, and we certainly have our own sets of problems, but Lord, we are privileged and we are blessed in so many ways that other people aren't. And I pray that you would remind us, Lord, to lift our eyes from ourselves and to consider and pray for those who are less fortunate, who are in difficult places, who are in poverty, who have far less opportunity than we have. I, I pray that we, you would teach us to be others-centered, to think on the needs of others. Lord, this certainly was your heart. You left heaven, a place of glory and privilege, and you came to earth to serve. And Lord, I pray that that same heart, as Paul says in Philippians, would be in us. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that that mind would be in us. And so, Lord, tonight, as we just share this passage from the book of John, as we see you, Jesus, being a missionary, um, I pray that you would teach us through it. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so I shared with you how we were staying on this somewhat remote place, opposite, uh, two or three miles across the lake, and um, we were taking our meals there. We'd, you'd, you'd typically get there very late at night, and uh, we got pretty used to cold showers, and um, it wasn't camping by any means, but it, it certainly wasn't luxurious. But there was a couple times when we had the opportunity to to go out to eat. And it was interesting how just the prospect of going to a restaurant uh, kind of picked us all up. Like, oh, that, that sounds like a lot of fun. And, you know, as I was thinking about that, I was just thinking about how just simple pleasures like that, especially around food, is a motivator to us. And I remember thinking how so many of us um, 
how food is an event that, that motiv- motivates us and so much of our life rotates around food. And this passage in the book of John, chapter 4, Jesus uses that thought to speak to us about a deeper issue. And that is, what is our motivation? What is our food? I was thinking about this over the, over the past week. It kind of reminded me, what is my real motivation in life? We need to realize that as Christians, as followers of Christ, we have another purpose. We have another motivation greater than just the simple pleasures of life. Certainly those are there, they're a blessing, but there's something else that should be a deeper motivation to us. I want to read from the book of John, chapter 4, verses 30 through 35. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. And I'll read. It says, Then they went out of the city and came to him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months to the harvest? Behold, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are white for the harvest. You know, John chapter 4 is a, is a wonderful missionary exhortation chapter because we see Jesus being a missionary. In John chapter 4, we know... If you went back into the chapter, we know that that's when Jesus was traveling. He went through Samaria and he had that interaction with the woman. But Jesus went through and into a nation that the Jews despised. He engaged a woman whose society had cast aside and, who, and despised her. And he confronted her with the truth of her sin in love and he explained the good news of the gospel and as a result not only the woman but many people in the city believed and in that interaction he tells us what he desires from us earlier on in the chapter He says to the woman, for the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. So what is God looking for from humanity? The humanity that he created. He's he's seeking worshipers. And what is God looking for from us to be a worshiper 
of himself. So Jesus is interacting with the woman. And meanwhile, what are the disciples doing? They're out and they're looking for food. And they come back and the Bible and the the passage says that they marveled, wondering what he was doing. You know, here he was in Samaria. And not only was he in Samaria, he was talking to a sinner, a prostitute, a woman. Something that just wasn't done. And they offer him food to eat. But notice Jesus' response. It says, but he said to them, I have food of which you do not know. So the disciples come back. They're wondering at what Jesus is doing talking to this woman. And they offer him, he must be hungry. Let's, let's give him something to eat. And Jesus' immediate response is, I have food that you do not know. And the disciples were confused. They said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to him, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So simply, while the disciples were kind of put off in their circumstances, they were in a place they really didn't want to be and they kind of felt awkward around the people who were there and they were probably feeling awkward about who Jesus was talking to, they went to look for food. They were looking for an earthly thing to bring them satisfaction. But while they were doing that, Jesus is filling himself with something greater. His food, it says, was to do the will of the Father. Now just for a second, just think about food. What is food? It's, it's nourishment. It's strength. It fills. It satisfies. It gives us energy. It motivates. It's certainly, it's something we take joy in in taking and we take joy in taking it with others it motivates us that's what food is and but for jesus he uses this interaction he uses this conversation with his disciples to teach them an important thing jesus what gave him motivation even a greater fulfillment was to do god's will it nourished him It satisfied him, it filled him, it pleased him. It was his purpose. And what was, so if the food was to do the will of the Father, what was the will of the Father? It was to bring in the harvest. It says there in that verse, it says, Do you not say that there are still four months to the harvest? Behold, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white For the harvest. You know, as Jesus is looking at this woman and he's looking at the people in the city, his mind was in a very different place than his disciples. While his disciples were feeling awkward, feeling out of place, feeling like they didn't want to be there, feeling like they wanted to go to a restaurant to eat instead of talking to them. 
Jesus has a greater purpose, a greater fulfillment, a greater desire, and that is to see these people come to be who he he created them to be, worshipers of himself. And so what Paul tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 2, it says, God desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And what motivated Jesus was two things. One was to obey God, and two, to do the work of God in bringing his creation, human beings, mankind, back to God. That was Jesus' food. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And so I come back to kind of what the, the title of what I put on this message was, what is, what is your food? And I pose that question to you. What is, what is your food? When you think about your life, what is it that deeply motivates you? What nourishes you? What fills you? What motivates you and gives you purpose? Are we desperately filling our life with the things that the world says will fill us up? Are we seeking the material trappings of the world and kind of just bringing God along in the process? We want heaven and we want heaven on earth as well? Or have we found the secret, God's secret, which really isn't a secret, it's a choice that we make of what we're going to do with our life. You know, I think about young people, I think about my own son, my, you saw my son Nathaniel there, he's He's got Africa in him. They say that once you've spent some time in Africa, you can never get rid of it. it it's always put part of you. And he's uh, certainly got that heart to give back to that place and those people that were so much so instrumental in raising him. But young people today certainly have a lot of pressure upon them. And unless the church is telling them that there's something different, all that they know about happiness and fulfillment is you need to get as much as you can, secure as much as you can for the future so that you can live a happy and uh, comfortable retirement. That seems to be the extent of life to a lot of people. I know that for parents living in America, you know, we so desperately want our children to do better than ourselves, to be more successful. And those of us who are getting older, senior citizens, you know, we're kind of just thinking about retirement and, and living out the last of our years in, in comfort. But for a Christian, is that all there is 
Jesus didn't come to extinguish our life. And I think a lot of times some people think that they have this fear of completely trusting Jesus with their life. Like somehow if we give our life completely, completely to Jesus, it's, it's going to be difficult. It's, he, it's going to kind of extinguish our opportunity. But Jesus didn't come to extinguish life. He, he came to give us life. John 10.10 10 says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. And then he goes on to say, I have come that you might have life and that life more abundantly. He's the good shepherd. He is the door. He says, if any of you come in by me, you're going to go in and out and find pasture. What is pasture? It's food. It's nourishment. It's life. And then he says in that verse, I have come that you might have life and that life more abundantly. And certainly we recognize abundant life as eternal life. But we also know as a Christian that that life is not just eternal life. It's life presently. And I believe that Jesus is speaking to us that if we're willing to trust him completely, he is going to give us the most fulfilled life. In other words, the life that he leads us into, completely trusting our future in him, is going to be that that abundant life that we so desperately crave. How can we experience that abundant life? I love bringing in, I love just meditating on verses like Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God created beforehand, that we should walk in them. I remember just using that verse in in the last week, speaking to young people, helping them to understand that their life, our lives, are not an accident, that God created us, he didn't only created us, he created us with a good work to walk in. And, and so to me, I've always understood that God created me and somehow the abundant life that he promised me has to do with me walking in the good works that he created for me to walk in. And I always just encourage young people as they come to understand their giftings and talents and desires sifted through the sovereign will of God as we walk in those things, as we we come to understand the good work and we come to understand the abundant life that he has for us. Matthew 5.14 says, You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And so as we understand the good works that he created for us to walk in and we do them, we are, in essence, we are Spreading, we are taking the kingdom of God forward. We're glorifying God. So getting back to what Jesus said in John 4. John 4. My food is to do the will of my Father. And then he, he tells us to look under the harvest. It is white for the harvest. In Matthew chapter 28, 18, Jesus came and spoke to them and said, All authority has been given to me in heaven 
and on earth. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you, and I will be with you always. You know that the Great Commission, we know that verse, is not just for a selected few people or a selected few Christians. It's a command to all of us. We are to go. He says there, go to all nations. Make disciples of all nations. And teach them to observe all things that Jesus commanded. This comes, this goes to that greater purpose that that Jesus desires all of us to understand. That our life is not just about fulfilling our personal needs and desires. It's about doing God's good pleasure. It's about taking the kingdom out to the world. And certainly, that starts here. America has become a place that needs missionaries as much as, as, much as any place in the world, that's for sure. And so that's certainly where we start. And, and I'm, I'm blessed to be a part of a church, God speak, that we certainly have that vision to see God's purposes taken out and carried out in the nation. And, and right now we feel like we're in a battle because the good that we have been raised up in in this nation is rapidly eroding away as many turn their back on God. Certainly our leaders are turning their back on God. So there is a place for us to be fulfilling the Great Commission here. But not only here. We have the privilege and we have the responsibility of taking the gospel to the world. And one of the blessings of being in a church is you can participate in that. You can participate in the church's effort to take the gospel out. And so we have another purpose. And that purpose isn't about us. It's, about, it's not about our will. It's about God's will. It's not about fulfilling our pleasures. It's about fulfilling God's pleasure. It's not about building our kingdom. But it's about establishing God's kingdom. And so when you take this passage of Scripture, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And then he says there, do you not say there are still four months and then the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes Look to the fields, for they are ready white for the harvest. Jesus' greatest fulfillment, his greatest desire, his greatest ambition was to fulfill the will of his Father, and that was to see people brought back into worship of God. And I guess my exhortation to us is 
What is our greatest ambition in life? Is, can we say that our ambition is God's ambition? Can we say that we are concerned with the things of God, with the purposes of God in, in taking God's kingdom to the world? I always, I, having lived in Africa for 32 years of my life, I can honestly say, and having lived now here for five years, you guys, it's harder to be a Christian here than it was ever for me in, in Uganda or in Central Africa or Kenya, wherever I lived. There are so many things here that take our eyes off of, off of trusting the Lord, that divert us. The, the comforts, all of these things make it difficult and we need to be vigilant as Christians to keep our eyes on Jesus and and while in Africa or these other places taking steps of faith is kind of forced on us here in America we have to purposely step into living by faith because it's so easy to live our lives without faith we have the hospitals. We have our retirement plan. We have all of these safety nets around us that, that make it very easy for us to, to go through a whole week without praying, without trusting God for anything. And so it's a, it's a challenge for us. But I just want to encourage you. We are here in the United States of America. We are in a country that has been blessed. And we have been given much with which we can bless and help others. And I would just encourage you to think about your own life, as I've had to think about my own life many times, and ask yourself, what is, what is, what is it that really drives me? And I know that a prayer for my own life has always been, Lord, I want to be driven. I want to be motivated by the things that you are motivated by. And I pray that that's your heart as well. That the things that God loves, that the things that God desires would be the things that you desire. Matthew 25, 14 says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was strange, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to the least of these, you did it unto me. You know, we can give something as small as a cup of cold water and in the name of Jesus, it has the power to change a life. Amen? I believe that our nation is, we are, we are living in darkening times. But that just means that we as Christians who are trusting Jesus have that greater opportunity to be a brighter light. Amen? Lord, I just want to thank you for the opportunity we've had to share. And I wish that everyone in this room could, could have shared in the experiences that 
our team had in Uganda over the past two weeks. Just seeing the joy that was in these children's faces as they received small gifts or as they, they got attention and love from us, as people received medicine, as people were ministered to and accepted Christ as their Savior. I want to thank you, Lord, for that opportunity. And I, I do pray that as you exhorted your disciples in this interaction, Lord, that, that our appetite, Lord, would be less and less of an earthly appetite and more and more of a heavenly appetite. That our desires would be less and less towards earthly things and more and more towards heavenly things. Lord, I thank you that in this church, Lord, you have strengthened us. You've given us resolve to see, you've educated us to see what is ahead. And Lord, I can ask that you would continue to fill us with your spirit, that we would be a church that truly does reach our nation, but reaches beyond our nation. Thank you for the missionaries that are out in the various parts of the world, in Japan, in Europe, in Africa, in South America, in Asia. Thank you for the work that they're doing alone, oftentimes. Strengthen them, Lord. Encourage them. And Lord, use us as a church to be those who are in participation with them and participating with them as they carry the gospel forward. So thank you for this, my brothers and sisters tonight. I pray that you have used this, this passage and this, this, this short presentation, this message, to speak to them. We bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.